All righty. Thank you, Lord. Let me just pray a second. I feel so touched by the Lord. I had to pray to get myself together here or it'd be bad. <laughs> Lord, thank you so much for, for yourself mainly, Lord. That's the most important thing. Mm. We just want to ba- bask in the presence of, of Christ. We want to live in that reality. We want to live in the reality that we are seated with Jesus Christ and the Father in the heavenly places. We thank you that that's our inheritance. That's our life. Mm. Thank you, Lord, that you're teaching us. You are bringing us into a place where that becomes a greater and greater and greater reality in our lives. And, Lord, during this time, during this uh, time on this earth, Lord, you are teaching us how to to take the kingdom that you've given us and take the presence that you've given us and live it out and walk it out. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so, you know, I think I gave eight messages. I never really meant to give all those messages on the dwelling place of God. That was sort of not the plan when I first started that back in October. If you were here, I did... Actually, I looked, went back and looked, did eight messages on the different dwelling places of God on the earth, which really turned out to be a real blessing to me. Actually, my plan was, I didn't really have a plan. I never have a plan. And I'm always trying to find another plan that's better than something I can come up with. But <clears throat> my, what I thought once I started doing it was I might do two or three messages about that, and that'd be it, and then something else. But, you know, when you do something like that, you always wish you could go back and do it over, Right? You know, it's like, oh, I, you know, it's like building a house. When you build a house, once you get in it, you realize there's stuff in the house that you would have done different if you were given the opportunity to do it. And so that's sort of like uh, any kind of ministry is once you've done it and look back, you think, oh, I wish I could do that over. And one of the main reasons is, is you get so much from the Lord yourself through the process of it that you realize how much you, you don't realize how much you're lacking when you walk into it. You know what I mean? And so that's sort of the sort of sort of how I felt about it. Like, oh, I think I'd like to go back and do this whole over again, give another shot at it, but but I'm not going to because that you probably wouldn't appreciate that. Maybe you would though, actually. But so um anyways, I'm done with that, but not really because in the middle of that I realized that God had set us up to go somewhere as a church and individually. Uh, and and God, what God wants to do, I believe, with every person is help them get back to their dream, get back to their vision, get back to their core of who they are and how, what God has created them to be. And, yeah, it really is a truth. I realized that in the middle of all that. That was really where God was in the midst of actually taking me back to really what is you know, what is really important? What's really, what's the real issue, the real thing inside of you? It's not all this stuff out here. It's not what you're doing or even thinking, but it's what God has put really in your heart. And some people have actually never discovered that. They've lived their life on this earth and have never really discovered this thing that's in them, that's alive inside of them, that wants to get out, so to speak, and express itself. And so, and then there's people who, in varying levels of trying to do that, and it's really easy to get distracted and get get off on all that. But, and I think a lot of people, you know, in the past few years have really lost their vision and have lost their dreams. Lots of people have. 
for different reasons. And God is really interested in restoring people's visions and dreams for their life. He really is. He's really very interested in restoring that because that's how God lives His life. That's how, that's how He is. That's what, when He looks at us today, He doesn't see us in the state we're in this moment. He sees us as perfect and fully matured and fully whole in Christ. Amen? And so that's how God operates. That's how God thinks, and, and, and that's how He wants us to, to think. He wants us to think of not what is, you know, but what will be and what can be and what could be. And so, behind every vision that a person has, there's a story behind the vision, okay? I have a vision for my life. I live out of my, a vision most of the time. I have gotten off on it, uh, just like everybody else, but, but I do really have a lot of vision in my own personal life. In every, pretty much every area of my life, I have a vision, you know. Like, I have a, a physical vision, you know, for my body. And, you know, when I'm getting older, I have a vision what I want to do with my body to keep it, Keep it, you know, where I can do things. You know, I don't want to be 80 years old and not be able to do stuff. You know, I look at somebody like Arthur Burt who will be 101 this year. And I just heard a couple of weeks ago that he's coming back to America at 101. You know, I mean, he's kind of slow, and but God, I mean, at 101, most people are not even alive. I mean, I mean, they're way slower, you know. But see, when you see a person like that, you see the potential that you don't have to accept what has been, been shown to us that when you're 60-something years old, you retire and go fishing or whatever. You know, you can go fishing and not retire. You know, in other words, God has a life that he wants us to live, and I think it's important for us to have a vision towards those things. So in every area of our life, every area, and every stage of life we're in, to have something, have a spiritual vision, have a having a, a, a vision for your 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 emotions, your you know your relationships, and all that. Amen. So, but there's but here's the point: there's a story behind every vision. Okay, there's something in the background of of, of your life, my life, that's really critical. Okay, and that's what I really want to try to talk to you briefly about because I want to talk. To us about our vision, but I want to talk about the story behind the vision because actually the story behind it is really is the thing that really burns in my heart. Uh, I want to read back in Genesis three eight through eleven. This is such a powerful little story here. Uh, it says, "And they, being Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? Now, Know that it, first of all, you know, it does say that they, what they did is they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. Okay, now that's really the, the thing. They hid themselves from the presence. So the presence of the Lord, you know, is the, is the beginning thing here. Uh, and they, it says they hid themselves amongst the trees of the garden. Okay, now it's important to really understand this about trees because 
human beings are really good at hiding amongst the trees. So you've got to ask yourself, what are, the, what are the trees? Well, in the garden, the trees were some good things, right? There was only one tree in there that the Lord forbade them to eat from was the knowledge of good and evil. But he said, you can have all the other trees. You can partake of all the trees. So all the other trees were good trees. And, those, and Jesus even mentioned these trees later in, in Matthew and in Luke when he talked to people about their lives and about being disciples. You know, one tree was a person said, i got to go bury my dad and my parents. That was a tree. It was family. Okay, and Jesus says, you can't you know, let the dead bury them. I mean, it sounds terrible what he was saying on the surface, but you see, it sounds terrible because we're listening and reading it through carnal minds, natural minds, and you can't understand something spiritual with this mind. You had to understand it spiritually. It was really what he was beckoning back. People hide behind the tree of family from the presence of the Lord, from what God's got for them. Many, many times people do. Or, or there's other trees, like one of them, he, uh, it's, he gives this parable about this king who who was wanting to have a great uh, marriage feast supper and invite all these people and and people wouldn't come. People said, I have, a, I have a farm. I have a wife. I have all the, I have business. I have things to do. I don't have time to involve myself in this. And so that's a picture of people hiding behind good things. And every one of us in this room have hid from the Lord behind very reasonable things. Very reasonable good things. But you see, in the, it's, it's really not a good thing to do that. Now, once they got outside the garden, suddenly there was, not so, there was other trees that weren't good. Those were like the bad things people hide behind, like addictions, you know, drug addictions. That's something people hide in because they're, they're trying to, you know, do something for themselves. Or, or, or immorality or perversion. You know, uh, here's something I see with a lot of people. A lot of people hide in their hurt. A lot of people hide in their wounds. A lot of people hide in their failures. They will hide in that. That's why I was trying to say that thing about getting identity. See, a lot of people are defined. They've, they've allowed their, their failures. They've allowed their hurts. They've allowed their losses to define them. Think about it for a minute. That's why Jesus said to that man, you want to get healed? Because that man's life was defined, and, and this is in the New Testament at the Pool of Bethesda. That man's life was defined by him laying there. And Jesus really wanted to know, you want, you want something else to define you besides sickness, besides failure, besides your losses in life? And see, a lot of Christians get stuck into a loss mode, and they allow that to be their badge of honor. I'm serious. And they can't get out of it. And they wonder why they can't get out of it. Because they're hiding behind something. That thing fee actually feeds them. It really does. So um, each of us at times are going to find ourselves hiding from the presence of the Lord behind something. And we have to ask ourselves, what, are, what am I hiding from, Lord? Don't assume you're not. That's a really good question to ask yourself. And the next thing it said there. The first thing that man said was, I was afraid. And uh, there's this power and fear that, that really dominates people's lives. Um, it's interesting. I had a dream last night about a friend of mine that I knew before I became a Christian. And I haven't seen this person since about a year after I became a Christian. And in the dream, I saw this. It was a, it was a lady. I saw her for the first time in almost 40 years. And I said, 
she was living in a bunker. It was a concrete bunker. And I said, I said, why are you living in a bunker? And she said something to me. She said, Byron, ultimately people don't serve the Lord because they're afraid. And that was the end of the dream. And you see, that's what Adam was saying. The presence of God, the very greatest thing there was, Adam was afraid. He had this fear that came upon him and this guilt and shame, which are like sort of the sidekicks of fear, that came upon him. And he said, I was afraid. And so every one of us have to deal with fear in our life. Every one of us has to face this thing called fear. And you see, it's gotten worse and worse. People hide behind trees because they're feared. And now a lot of people want to go dig a hole somewhere and build a concrete bunker around themselves thinking that they can be protected there, thinking that's what's going to protect them because they're full of fear. And that bunker was terrible, man. It didn't even, it was barely, you could barely stand up in it. A tall man could have never, a man over six, six feet could have, he was tore the top of his head up trying to stand up in it. It was a very confined, bad place. And a lot of Christians are like that now. A lot of Christians are in the hunker down, get in the bunker mode. But really they're hiding. They're full of fear. They're being motivated for fear. Are y'all following what I'm saying? We're in a time, with, you know, Jesus said in the last times, men's hearts will fail them for fear. Okay? And right from the start. So you're gonna, we had to ask ourselves this morning, what fear is motivating me? What fear is motivating me? Because whatever's motivating you, if fear is a factor in your life, fear's controlling your life. And God doesn't really want anything controlling our life. You know what happens a lot of times? You know, I was thinking about this recently. The older you get, the more tragedy you see. The more things you see that you can't explain in light of the Scripture, that seem opposite of the Scripture. And you get this vulnerable feeling on you. You know what I'm talking about? You get a vulnerable feeling, like, well, the Lord didn't protect that person who was a sincere person. Is he going to protect me? You get these thoughts start coming in your mind, and they're like the breeding ground for fear. And God didn't really call us to live out of fear. He's, he called us to live out of his word and what his word says. And we can't live out of that because fear will get into your heart, and then you'll hide from the presence of the Lord. God has created every person with a desire for the presence of the Lord. Every person in this room has that desire in them. Whether you're consciously aware of it or not, it's in you. Some of us are more conscious of it. Some of us have gotten more in contact with this, this thing in us, this passion in us, this drive in us for something, okay? But we're no different from anybody else. We're no different from anybody else. Because the only difference is we're more aware of it. We understand it a little bit better. And that's because God has put us all in this thing for the presence, but most people are hiding from the presence. They are, are shunning the presence because fear, really. The fear is really the bottom line. And also there's this thing called the voice of the Lord. Now, Adam heard the voice of the Lord at that moment. Okay? He could hear the voice of the Lord. But what happened over time is that voice got fainter and fainter and fainter and fainter. And Adam could hear less and less and less of the voice until it switched over. God it had to switch over and just as a, a very few special people could hear the voice. They called them prophets in the Old Testament. And every once in a while, every once in a while, some, you know, little girl named Ruth would stumble into the voice of the Lord. She wasn't a prophet. She was a nobody. Or a little girl named Esther who was a slave and somebody owned her. She would stumble in to this voice, to this presence. Or Rahab, a prostitute, 
Nobody else could tell what was going on, but a prostitute heard the voice of God, saw the plans of God, and was like, hmm, we've got to do something. But by and large, the majority of people were hiding behind their trees, away from the voice and away from the presence. Okay? The very two things that God has called us to have, His voice and His presence, because they're the most two important things there is. The voice and the presence. Are y'all following me so far? So, let's read uh, Genesis 2.9. I'm going kind of backwards in the Bible. It says, Out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So, it says the tree of life was in the midst of the garden. Really, literally, it means the tree of life was in the center of the garden. So in the very center of the garden of God was this thing called the tree of life. And somewhere near this tree of life, maybe right next to it, but not dead in the center, maybe it would be right next to it, probably was right next to it, was this other tree called the tree of knowledge of good and evil, or for short, the tree of knowledge. Your knowledge, right? Knowledge puff up, puffs up, right? Love edifies. So... What that means is God placed symbolically in the middle this tree, which symbolically means the Lord himself and the cross. It became the mean the cross. Now, this is really important for Christians. Is the cross, Christ and the cross, really has to be the center of our lives. It, it really does. Um, that's no new revelation, is it? Um, you know that song... Pam Traga knows this song. It probably breaks her heart every time she hears it. By Jeremy Riddle. It's called Sweetly Broken. Y'all, have y'all heard that song? You should listen to it. Um, it's about the cross. And the reason Pam knows it, we sang it at her son's memorial. Um, but I've listened to that song a lot, really since that day. I've soaked to that song, listened to that song. And, you know, one of the lines is, you know, Sweetly Broken is, is the title of the song. First of all, I thought, Lord, there is nothing sweet about this. There's nothing sweet about being broken. That was really one of my, one of my thoughts in the midst of my harsh moments was, this is not sweet. And you brought me gently to my knees. Well, Lord, I feel like you brought me violently to my knees. There was no sweetness. It was all violent. Now, y'all people who've been down to your knees, y'all people who've been broken know what I'm talking about. You know it's not sweet, and you know it's not gentle. But I will tell you this, and I think people in this room, I think Pam could, I think many people in this room could tell you, the truth is it becomes really sweet to you. And becomes really gentle to you. Because really that's where you really define the Lord himself. It's really where there's this encounter with God that really begins to take place in a person's life. And I believe, I could, man, I could say this, you know, with all sincerity. That's the thing, um, you know, the most important thing in the last six months of my life is that. The last eight months, really. That's the thing that God has, has just worked on me so hard. It's bringing me to the cross. And it didn't feel good. 
it didn't feel good. But the more I began to focus on Christ in the cross, the more life I seemed to get, and the more sweeter He became to me, and the more loving He became to me, and the more gentle He became to me. And so I believe what God was doing, see, God was, was put that cross, the symbolic thing of the tree of life at the cross in the center, and He really means for us, for that to be the center of our life. And people go through difficulties and trials in life, or you, or you get old and you become jaded, or you become bitter about all the harsh stuff, or you can make a choice to make the cross the center of your life just like God meant for it to be originally. And see, that's the difference of people who can really honestly say, I hate what I went through, but I love what Jesus did in me in it because I love him more, and he has become much more to me. He is much more to me now than he was last year at this time, much more. And it's because I've, I've really, he's, he's took me to that place. And, you know, that song, I began to see that song. I began to see sweetly broken. I began to see bringing me gently to my knees. And I believe that's how God meant for us to live our Christian, live from that place. And when we live from that place, things become different in your life. When you live out of that, that's the tree of life, the cross, because it's everything to the Christian life. Now, let me read Colossians 1.13. And I would say, are you all right? But since Becky's not here to guard me from doing that, I will not do that. It's, listen to this, Colossians 1.13. He has delivered us. This is one of the favorite Colossians uh, verses. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Now, what He does there, he, this is a type. I want you to get this picture. Those are the two that's the picture of the two trees in the garden in the New Testament. The power of darkness and the kingdom of the Son, of His, of his love Son. That's the tree of life, the kingdom of His son, love Son. And then there's this other realm called the power of darkness. Now, this is really important for us to understand. Uh, it says He delivered us from the power of darkness. Okay? That's what it says. We've been delivered from the power but the darkness is still here. Okay? The darkness has not gone away yet. It really hasn't. But we've been delivered from the power of it, and we've been placed into something else, into the kingdom of His beloved Son. Now, that's really important. I want you to really get that, because here's what is happening. They are two kingdoms, just like there were two trees. There are two kingdoms that are operating in this world right now. They are, they are real. In Ephesians, in Ephesians 2, I think it's Ephesians 1 or 2, uh, it, Paul says that the devil is the prince of the power of air. In other words, Paul was saying the devil has power. He still has power. Okay? Now, his power compared to the Lord's doesn't exist, but the devil has power. You don't want to get in a fight with the devil without Jesus is all I can say because he would... He would beat you senseless. So there's this power of the air. There's a realm of darkness that's here in this earth right this second. Okay? And there's another realm called the kingdom. We were singing about manifest your kingdom, Lord. There's another realm that's just as real and more powerful 
way more powerful, that's also there. That's the, like the two trees that we have. Okay? Are y'all following me? So I shared a little bit of this a couple of weeks ago at our Friday night meeting, but this is really important. I had this encounter with the Lord, and this is what the encounter was. It, and it was very unusual for me. You know, most people who have spiritual encounters, they will have a demonic encounter or a, or a Holy Ghost spiritual, you know, the good kind, right? I mean, you know, you got those two rams working. And most time you see one or the other. But I saw both kingdoms at one time. Okay, and it threw me off at first. And it was really, it was a very powerful encounter. Okay, it was very powerful. It scared me because at first I saw, like I was sucked into this realm. And at first it was sort of like the angelic, you know, nice, the Holy Spirit. It was really awesome. But then all of a sudden there were demons there. There was other things there, and I was feeling all this thing. And so I had this almost a confusion on starting to try to get on me because there was two things happening at once, okay? There was the, the realm of the Spirit of God, and there was the kingdom of darkness that was happening at once in my life. They were both happening. They were both right there. And suddenly I realized what the Lord was trying to show me. What He was trying to show me is you have a choice from which one of these kingdoms you're going to live from. You can choose because the choice, just like Adam and Eve, the Lord said, don't eat of that tree, but He didn't remove the tree. He left the tree of knowledge there, right there next to that tree of life, giving them people a choice. Okay? And so right now, you and I have a choice. That's what I was trying to encourage you this morning about the spiritual realm. The spiritual realm was here. If you're not connecting, it's because you're making the wrong choice. You're, you may say something, well, I don't feel nothing. doesn't matter. It's not based on feeling. It's based on faith. Now, this is really important because what I see is a lot of Christians that are feeding themselves from the power of darkness. And there is nothing but fear there. That's the whole atmosphere of that realm. That's how that whole realm operates. It operates off in fear, just like Adam and Eve. And what does fear do? It makes you withdraw from God, hide from God, hide from God's voice. The very thing that you and I need, that fear motivates us away from that. And so a lot of and I specifically, specifically saw that a lot of men were being affected by this. An unusual amount of men. I can't really tell you exactly why. When you get in the spiritual realm, there's information that you, you just know. It's not like you have this, you just know it by, you know, it's just like, well, it's like this. You know how revelation comes to you, suddenly you know something, like this light comes on? Well, that's the way it is in the spiritual realm. You just know stuff. Uh, something could come at you, you know exactly what it means, what it's for, why it's there. And what I saw, I saw a lot of men that were being affected and I knew instantly a lot of men, they're looking at their future, and they're not seeing a good future all of a sudden, right? Because used to be in America, you, you could really do something. America was the land of opportunity. And it's suddenly we're starting to see the opportunity. Are y'all following this? And so I felt the Lord telling me, y'all got to, we need to sound the alarm. We need to... Think about what realm we're feeding ourselves on. The other realm 
the realm of faith, the realm of love. That's why I love that scripture. Let me read it to you again. He's conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. And although we're in that kingdom, we still can make the choice. They were in the garden of God. They were in paradise. But they still had the ability to to make the choice. God didn't remove their ability to say, Hey, we are not going to live from this love environment, this faith environment. We're going to live, we want to get this other environment. We're going to live from that environment. And they did, of course. That was the fall. So right now, for Christians, you can say, Well, I'm I'm really not sure about all this open heaven stuff. Or the kingdom of heaven come being here and all that. It doesn't matter. The reason you're not sure is because you are feeding on something else, you and I. We're feeding on another world. And that world, all that's going to do is going to create fear in you. And that fear is going to separate you from the presence. That's why some people say, well, I don't really understand this thing about the presence. I want the presence of God. You know what that tells me? Well, you're eating from the wrong tree. You're living from the wrong kingdom. Because that's what that does to you. Well, I don't really hear the voice of, all, of God. Well, you're, you're tapped into the wrong kingdom then. You're hiding behind something. See, that really is the root problem of all the discouragement and disappointment. People who can't seem to get over their sorrow, can't get, you know, they never get over it. They live in it. It's because they're living from the wrong place. That's really, if you really want to get right down to the root. I mean, really, if you want to get right down to the real root. I mean, really deal with it. You've got to go there. What, what, where are you living from? Where, where are you getting your information from? What are you tapping into? And a lot of people, are, a lot of Christians are tapped into that, dark, that kingdom of darkness. And it's really creating a lot of problems in your life. Let me read another scripture to you. Are you all right? All right. Uh, one is at Galatians 5, 6. It's uh, faith working through by love. Literally, it means faith is energized by love. Okay? That's why I said that, that kingdom, what I was feeling in it was faith with the, I, with the concept. If I'm sensing faith, there's love there because love is what causes faith to come alive. Love is what energizes faith and makes faith really faith and makes it really operate and work. It gives faith its energy. And so that's really the atmosphere of heaven that God really wants people to live from. Faith energized by love. All right, 2 Timothy 1.7 for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Okay? So that spirit of fear that's operating in people's life is coming from the kingdom of darkness. God has given us love, power, love, and a sound mind. All right, now James 3.15 talks about the wisdom from above. I don't really have that up there. I just want to throw this out at you. You know, it talks about the wisdom of us, pure, peaceful, easy and tree, you know, full of good works, right? Then it says the wisdom from, the, from below, and this is important, it's earthly, sensual, and demonic. Now, this is interesting, if you think about it. Earthly, sensual, and demonic. That, he's talking about natural thing, and he's, he's talking about opposite. He's talking about feeding from this tree of knowledge. You know what that means? Not all earthly thinking is sensual or demonic, right? Not all of it is. Obviously it's not. But all earthly thinking has the potential to become sensual or demonic. 
and is left to itself without the Spirit of God influencing your thinking the way you think, your thoughts eventually, gone long enough, will become demonic thoughts. You, the demonic strongholds will begin to operate in your life. Are y'all following that? That's the progression of earthly thinking. It will eventually become demonic thinking. And people who are, who are feeding themselves on the spirit of darkness, the power of darkness, eventually your thoughts will become demonic thoughts because that's what's in that realm. That's what James says. You read it. That's why, what James was saying. Listen, you've got to tap into this other, other realm, the wisdom from above, this other realm, this realm of the kingdom of heaven. It's really important. So... Um, let me just say this. The truth is, Bob Jones would tell you, if he were here, that you don't have a right to that other kingdom. You have no rights to it. And it has no rights to you. That's what he would say. I can hear him saying it now. Don't you know some of the stuff? You don't have a right. You don't have a right to depression. What else he say? You don't have a right to... Uh, what's some of the things that Bob Jones says? This is crazy. I mean, I don't have a right to it. Well, you don't. <laughs> well, I, did I tell you about what? I told you about what happened to me. Let me just tell you. I got to tell you, this is hilarious. I thought it was. You know, I go to this meeting every month at this house. Well, one day I was going to this meeting, and I get this phone call from the insurance company about our roof, and it was not a good phone call. And I was so upset, I couldn't stand it. I was depressed. I was, I was you know, because they were telling me bad news. As I was sitting out there in front of the house, I thought, I'm just going home. Then I can't go in this meeting like this. I just can't do it. I'm just too messed up. But then I thought, no, I didn't drove 45 minutes. You know, I'm going to make myself go in there. I walk in there, and he said, hey, Byron, sit right down here in front of me so I can see you. I thought, oh, God. <laughs> why? Of all times, why didn't you tell me to sit right in front of you when I was full of the Holy Spirit and, and rejoicing and praying in tongues down the road? <laughs> Why did you want me to sit in front of you when I am so upset and I am just crushed at this moment? And you know what he starts talking to me about? Obviously about depression and <laughs> being upset. And he says it in such a great way. He don't say, you're messed up. He just talks about the dangers of being messed up. <laughs> and you're thinking, yeah, right, Bob. And he actually said, hey, how about what's going on with your building? Please don't ask me. <laughs> but that's Bob Jones. <laughs> Anyways, let me read one more scripture to you. See, what I want to do this morning is I want people to make a decision. That's what I'm trying to get you. I want the men in this church to make some decisions about what they're living from. You know, are, we, are you really living from the kingdom of heaven? Or are you living from this other kingdom? Because I'm going to tell you, it's going to pull you down. If you were living from the natural only, you're living from the other kingdom. That's where, that's where you're headed. That's what James 3.15 says. You're headed there. There's no way around it. That's the end result for you. You know, you'll wind up living in a concrete bunker. Some people literally. Some people just in their minds. And this... Scripture, 1 John 4, 18, says there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fear, fears has not been made perfect in love, perfect being matured. They haven't grown up in love. They haven't been brought 
to a place. That's what perfect is. And so what happens is, is fear separates you from the presence of the Lord. The most important thing there is. It causes you want to hide from the presence of the Lord. Have you ever wondered why, if you asked yourself this question, why, why does the majority of Christians, why aren't they clamoring for the presence? Why don't they value the presence of the Lord? Why is it the presence of the Lord the most important thing there is in the majority of the church? Have you ever wondered that? Like, this is not some unique thing here. This is not some special thing to be desirous of the presence of the Lord. There's nothing special about it in the, in the sense of you desiring it. There's something real special about that presence. And it's because of the fear. It's because of what men and women are living out of. And why is it so many Christians struggle so much to hear the voice of the Lord? To really hear God speak to them when He says, clearly says, my sheep can hear my voice and know my voice. If I, you, you think, well, wait a minute, what's, what's the deal? It's the fear. And if it's the fear, it's because you're getting your life, you're getting your source from the wrong place. And those two kingdoms are right here, right this second. And we have to choose constantly which one we're going to live from. God wants to not just give us new thoughts. He wants to completely change the way we think. I mean, give us a radical difference in the way we think. And our lives will never be really changed and transformed because that's what it really means. When we are given a whole new way of thinking, a kingdom, the kingdom of God. You can't, you can't know the Bible. You can't get revelation with a new way of thinking. Are y'all following this? And see, this is really, if you're going to have a true vision, you know, I said the story behind the vision. This is the story behind it. Because there's really not a real vision apart from the presence and voice of God. There's no vision. There's no dream. It's all a lie. It's all a hoax. It's all a false dream. And God is calling us to really come into this place of living, you know, living, living from His presence, living from the kingdom, and not living from the kingdom of darkness. And you have to ask yourself. We all have our little, little thing that we have. So our, the aim, the aim, the aim. My aim for my life. That's my aim, Lord. Your presence, that's the aim. That's my aim, is your presence. My aim in every area of my life, even my physical stuff, is the presence. That's my aim. That's what's motivating. That's the background running in my life. It's the presence and the voice of God. And that's what God means for every person. Amen? All right, so let's just have a moment. We've got five minutes. Come on, I'll stand up. You know, that was another Arthur Burke saying, well, a, a Arthur Burke saying was, I'm not claiming, but I am aiming. <laughs> I love that. Because, <laughs> you, you know, you like, man, I'm such a mess, Lord, but I am aiming still. <laughs> another thing was, he said, I haven't arrived, but I have got on the plane. 
I haven't arrived, but I've got on. I'm, I'm on the journey. I'm headed that way. I'm aiming that way. You know, um, what this is? This is all something God has. This is a gift from God. It's it's just trying to wake up something that's already in you. It, it's not really trying to impart something or teach something because it's, you've already got this. It's already in you. You were created with it. It's to try to awake something in you, a passion in you. And I told you, it's getting back to the, the center, the cross. That cross, that revelation of Christ on the cross, that revelation of what He went through in His resurrection and His power, really will awaken something in you. It did in me. It woke in me. It woke me up like, whoa, whoa. This is what's really important. This is what's really real. So I just want to pray, you know, for you right now. Father, I just thank you this morning. There's people in this room that don't feel sweetly broken on any level. They feel violently broken, Lord. Some of them feel violently trespassed against, Lord. Lord, some of them have been brought to their knees and they don't feel like it's been very gentle. I feel like it had been a long drop down there. <laughs> Woo, Lord, what a terrible moment. <laughs> it feels terrible. How many, how many people know what I'm talking about? Sweetly broken. How many people know it doesn't feel sweet at the moment when you're being there? It doesn't feel sweet. But I am here to tell you it is sweet because that's, that really is when His presence comes. And when it don't feel gentle, I'll tell you, it is really gentle because that's when His presence and voice comes into your life in a fresh way. And I believe the Lord wants to release His presence and voice into your heart in a fresh way this morning. I believe He wants to awaken something in you and me to His presence. And whatever you're hiding behind this morning, He's saying, come out from behind that tree. You know, just get out from behind there. Get out from behind that tree. That tree is not going to protect you. And if you're one of those people who have crawled into a bunker, you've got to get out. You've got to get out of there. It's not going to protect you. It's not going to do. That fear is, going to, is sitting right there behind that tree with you. It went with you. That's the problem. You thought the tree was a good excuse. It's not. It's not going to protect you. It's not going to do what you think it could do. You know, the Lord wants us to not run from His presence and hide from His presence. His presence is available is what He's telling us. It's there by our choosing. And so you can make a choice this morning. You can say to the Lord, Lord, I just, I'm making a choice for the presence. I'm making a choice for the voice. Fresh today. Fresh. That's my new choice. That's what I'm going to be about, Lord. I'm going to go back to that. I'm going to dig in for that. I'm going to find that. I'm going to make that my thing. You, you, I'm going to make that my thing, Lord. Now, this is important, too. Um, you know, that in Mark 11, when Jesus says, Speak to your mountain, it'll be moved, cast in the sea. I don't know if y'all remember that message I spoke on that. Unfortunately, I had to go eat that. <laughs> but the truth is, it's like I, t I think I may have said it, is your mountain will not listen to my mouth, but it'll listen to your mouth. You're, you got the mouth. And it's like, with, see, you're the only one that can do anything about this. 
You had to speak to your thing. You had to speak to your mountain, and you had to speak to God. Okay? It's you that has to do that. that your problems are going to listen to you. Okay? These lies that are coming at you, they're going to listen to you. If you don't, if you don't speak to it, it's going to be continue speaking to you and wearing you out. That's, that's the way it works. You had to start speaking back to it, and then it shuts up. And then after a period of time, it dies. Well, actually, it's dead already when you say it's dead. It's just a manifestation of death it takes a little bit of time. So I'm encouraging you. You had to say to the Lord, Lord, you know what? I'm just quitting this tree of knowledge thing. I'm quitting this power of darkness thing. I'm out of this. I'm not going to live out of this sorrow no more. I'm not going to live out of discouragement. I'm not going to live out of, out, of, out, of, out of sickness. I'm not going to get my identity from all that stuff. I'm not going to live out of fear no more. I have decided that. Now, you have to say that yourself. You've got to say it. You've got to say that, and you've got to say it to the, to the demonic realm. Because that night when I was there, I had to say to that, Listen, you don't have a right to my life. I had to say that because it was trying to get a right to me. It was trying to get a right to me. It was trying to have authority over me. Now, that's what it's always going to do. Like it was to Jesus. It's sitting there trying to negotiate a deal with you. And you have to tell it, you can't have your way with me. Because it will listen to you. They will listen to you. And I'll tell you who else will listen to you. The Holy Spirit will listen when you say, Holy Spirit... You're the one. You're the one I want. I'm going to live out of what you're saying. I'm living out of this kingdom realm. And when you begin to speak that stuff, something begins to happen. When I began to speak in that encounter, I saw a lot of demons in there. A lot. There was a bunch of them. But I saw this other thing. And I began to speak to that negative thing and say, I want that over there. I begin to say that with my mouth. That's what I'm going after. I'm not going after you. You don't have a right to me. Guess what happened? That over there started getting, getting. it was like the volume got turned up on that. The, 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 the faucet got opened on that. And the other the volume started turning down. And that's, that's what you got to do. You got to say it. You got to say to the power of darkness, you don't have a right to me. And you got to say to the kingdom of heaven, I belong here. I belong to you. Now say it. I want you to say it. I'm, say it. Say that. Say it with your mouth. Say, I don't, you don't, you can't have me. You can't have me. You cannot have me. I'm not going to give in to this stuff. I'm not going to give in to disappointment. I'm not going to give in to sorrow, discouragement, failure, sickness. I refuse. I'm not giving in to death. Like the Andy Squire said, I am not giving death no steady ovation in my life. I Here's what I say to it. The hell with death. The hell with it. I'm giving life a standing ovation. I'm standing up for life. Now you've got to say that. And when the devil comes at you, you've got to say it again. And when he reminds you of the, of the past, the Lord's my rear guard, devil. I'm not living from yesterday. And when you begin to do that, the renewal gets released of your mind. This is not, you know, this is not charismatic games. This is real. This is, this is real. 
If you tell your wife she's ugly and miserable, sooner or later she's going to become ugly and miserable. Or she's going to leave for some guy who likes ugly and miserable woman. Right? You speak to your life. You tell her how great she is, how lovely she is, how awesome she is. And that's what you do. If you don't, try it. It'll keep you out of a lot of trouble. But it does make your life better. It's because you're speaking life to them instead of being mean to them. So speak. Speak to your thing. Because you already are in the kingdom. The kingdom's already in you. Lord, thank you that you bought us. Thank you, Lord, that you suffered a violent death. Totally violent death. Thank you for that. Thank you that you suffered a violent death. You were beaten violently. Lord, thank you. Thank you today. Just thank you, Lord. Lord, I just see your scars right now. I just see those scars of Christ. I see that marred body of Jesus Christ. Lord, like you said to Thomas, touch me, Thomas. Just touch me. And see, that's really what the Lord wants people to do. Just touch his scarred body. You know, Thomas had all this doubt. He had all this unbelief. But once he touched the scars, all that was gone. It's a powerful encounter with the Lord to touch Jesus like that. Lord, I pray this morning people could touch you, feel you, feel those scars, see those scars. Just rub your hand across his body. Just rub your hand across Jesus' body right now. Just rub your hand across his body and feel him. Feel him. The Bible says in Isaiah that he was marred beyond any recognition as a man. He still carries those scars. There's love scars. He wants us to touch them. And something happens when we touch those scars. Lord, you really are bringing us back to the cross, back to the center of our lives, back to what's really important, that tree of life that you want us to eat from. Man was banished from the garden, but you, by your death and resurrection, you have opened the door back up to that tree, to live from that tree, Lord. Lord, I choose to live from the tree of life today. I renounce the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I thank you for that, Lord. I bless you, Lord. Amen, Lord. All righty. So we're going to just play the worship song, right? And then end. And if y'all want to, maybe get a couple of people. Anybody wants any prayer? I know we pray for a lot of people. But we-